Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Point after the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. And here's what's coming up on today's show. It was the first sprint race weekend of the season. We'll discuss if the format is any good for Formula One. We take a look at your comments on sprints as well, and then we will go into our driver ratings. And Oliver Harden will take us through his conclusions out of another busy weekend. And for today's show, I'm pleased to say that my Planet F1 colleagues, John Wild and Oliver Harden, are here with me. How are you both? Fine, thank you, Henry. Excellent. Glad to hear it. So... First sprint weekend of the season is under our belts, and we've uh, we've had plenty of comments on the, on how the sprint went. So, and we put out asking for your comments about the sprint itself and the format because it's the second season that it's been going. Uh, and Ryan says uh, he feels it works as long as it doesn't replace traditional qualifying, but every now and then it's very interesting. Uh, Colin says it doesn't work as a spectacle for me as it diminishes action from the main race due to out of place runners finding a more realistic grid spot. Uh, and then Oil and Gas 007 on Twitter says no, it's an attempt by Liberty Media to Americanize F1 at the expense of real fans of the sport. Um, so let's start with Ryan's comments then, uh, saying that it, it, you know, as long as it doesn't uh, replace traditional qualifying, it, it kind of works like john what what do you think about that yeah i tend to agree with that really i mean um i I don't have any really particularly strong views about sprint qualifying to be honest other than i wouldn't want to see it every week to be honest um i I do agree with ryan that uh, the traditional one hour qualifying uh uh, aspect has to remain and uh, and long may it continue um but but sometimes it's you know it's nice to have a bit of sort of racing action on a on a saturday isn't it just to uh to spice things up a bit and uh but obviously there are uh, definite um, sort of negative issues to it as well. And I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to those in a moment. Yeah, Oliver, that's that's a good point, isn't it? The fact that part of the reason behind the sprint coming in was for, for the race going fans. So to have something to to watch over the course of the whole weekend. But, you know, I'm sort of tending to agree with uh, with Colin's point here, really, that it's, it just resets the grid to type, really, because we had a wet qualifying on Friday and then it kind of felt like the sprint just maybe put the cars where they would have been is that fair yeah there's definitely a case to be made there i think um 
I think the crate looking at it on Friday night looks actually quite promising. I think many people would have been happy with the race starting, Grand Prix starting with that particular crate. And I did, I did think the the sprint gave the the those some underperformed in in Friday qualifying. So the likes of Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez kind of worked their way up slightly. So it did kind of take some of the some of the um, storylines and the themes away from the actual Grand Prix itself. Yeah, that's that's another interesting point, John, isn't it? Because like the race itself. Overall, it, it 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 wasn't the best this season. What's it? Let's be honest. Was it? Let's be honest. And you know, the the sprint, those twenty one laps, could they if they were put in the main race, that could have been an argument to say that would have added to the event as a whole. No. Yeah, I I, I think you might be being slightly harsh on the sort of the entertainment value of the race yesterday. That there, there were parts in the middle that I thought were a little bit on the on the dull side. But um, yeah, I mean. It's it's one of those, isn't it? It's it's you know, it, it's a balance, really, isn't it? Um, in terms of what you get on a Saturday compared to the Sunday. Um, obviously, there was the the weather was a, a feature as well, wasn't it? Maybe if the track had been dry, it could have been different. Um, if it, if it had been wetter as well, it, it's 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 a difficult one, really. But um, you know, I, I think there is a place for sprint qualifying. Just just not too often, um, in my opinion, would be best. Yeah, and there, there are a few people who sort of agree with you. Uh, another John writes, I think it works for three to four races per season. Giselle writes, uh, in track-specific cases, I think it works. Um, but Lucy disagrees, saying all the sprint does at the moment is it add an extra 20-odd laps to the main race with a break in between. And Phil says it doesn't seem to serve a purpose. So, Oliver, it's, it's something that really has split the fans, hasn't it? I mean, I, to be honest, last season I thought it would get more opposition, but it, it, some people seem to have embraced it. Yeah, it is quite difficult to love at times. But as, as I wrote for the for the site last week, it had an undeniable effect on all three occasions it was used last season at Silverstone, Monza, and Brazil. Um, I agree that you know we wouldn't want to see it regularly, but in terms of a of a of something to you know just spice up the action, give the race going fans more more opportunity to see track time, competitive and relevant track time. I think it does have does have a role to play. Yeah, someone's trying to trying to put their put their voice in in the background as well, John. But um, Formula One are looking at extending it to to being six races per season again. They tried that this season, but that got ne- negotiated back down to three. Uh, do you reckon three is is kind of the right amount? I wouldn't be averse to to a little bit more of it. It is three out of twenty three, isn't it? So that's kind of an average of about one in eight races. You you, you could probably um, there's probably leeway for a little bit more than that. I think. I think there's talk of six, isn't there? I think um, I certainly wouldn't want to go above six. I, th- I think probably somewhere between th- maybe four, five, six is about the right number. I would say. Yeah, but on the point of um, the sort of Americanizing of Formula One over, I mean that seems to be a slight running theme from uh, from European fans or so so called more traditional fans of the sport anyway. And uh, from from the comment we got saying it's at the expense of real fans, but I, I feel that's a little bit harsh. Like, can't Americans be real fans of Formula One too? Yeah, it's an easy stick to be to be at liberty with. I think I think you know the sport doesn't belong to any particular set of fans; it belongs to everybody. Um, so yeah, I do find that quite an ignorant um, standpoint, really. Yeah, and John, there's um, you know, to to sort of round this off on in terms of the sprints too, like where where do you stand in terms of how this affects the world championship too? Because um, there are points now for the top eight, and uh, it could either bring people closer together, but it could also reinforce someone's dominance, couldn't it? 
Yeah, it definitely does. It's certainly having a bigger impact than it did last year with um, points down to eighth place, but more the fact that there's eight points now for the win rather than just three. Um, obviously, Max Verstappen will be delighted it was a sprint weekend because he took the maximum haul, didn't he? So um, it's put him right back into the picture, closed the gap to uh, to Charles Leclerc. So, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly from, uh, from his perspective, um, he'll see it as a positive. So let's move on to our driver ratings then. It was another busy weekend on track and Max Verstappen took um, a Grand Chelem, uh, the so Grand Slam after Charles Leclerc took uh, took one last time out. It was uh, it was his turn and he's probably got the unique distinction of um, starting and leading every lap in both races. But um, let's start with George Russell, John. Uh, he made up six places at the start and uh, he got a nine out of ten in your ratings. Like this, uh, Where do you stand on, on his weekend? Well, uh, it... It couldn't really have gone much better for him, could it really? Because obviously we we know the limitations of the W13. He was able to extract a lot more from it this weekend than Lewis Hamilton. Not for the first time, it has to be said. That's the the third time in a row that's happened. Um, In the end, he was clinging on to the fourth place, wasn't he? Because he had Valtteri Bottas. uh, Memories of some 53 weeks ago when those two uh, had that uh, that mighty collision, uh, 200 miles an hour. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure there must have been flashbacks going through both of them minds at that point as they were um, dueling for fourth position but uh, yeah terrific weekend for George Russell he's now 21 points clear of his teammate in the standings and uh, you know that would would have been a a scenario that uh, very few people would have been able to envisage I think at the start of the season and and not least because um, you know that they're picking up relatively few points um, each at the moment because they're not they're not competing for the wins so a 21 gap 21 point gap for for Russell over Hamilton is uh, is very significant. Yeah, and Oliver, there there was you know general consensus before the season would start that it would probably be quite a bit closer between Russell and Hamilton um, than it was probably with Bottas. But there's um, no, that's probably quite unexpected, isn't it? As John said. Yeah, it, it doesn't help. Obviously, the situation with Hamilton, obviously, he's been used to winning his one eight one races, I think, between 2014 and 2021. Suddenly finding himself fighting over, you know, the edges of the points with Pierre Gasly is uh, very, very difficult for him to take at the moment. So, Russell, you know, he almost kind of knows no different because he's walked into the team this season. Um, he, he scored very few points in his time at Williams, despite that podium at, at, at Spa last year, obviously. Um, and Russell, you know, he's, he's simply getting on with the job and I think it's much easier for him in, in Mercedes' current situation. So next up, let's discuss Valtteri Bottas then. We've already touched on him, but an 8 out of 10 and uh, eventually a P5 finish, John. That's just, you know, it represents a very strong weekend for him, but it almost felt like it kind of went under the radar during the race, didn't it? I think he's almost his whole season has gone under the radar, uh, Henry, to be honest. I think he's he's performing a lot better than he's really getting credit for. And I think he's just, if anything, he's been let down a little bit by a few mistakes from the team. There was another one yesterday uh, at the pit stop where he, uh, he he was he was delayed and and but for that, I'm sure he would have been you know ahead of George Russell on the, on the road and would have finished fourth. But also a bit um, unlucky at the start as well. Um, he he got caught up in that melee with Daniel Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz ended up running into the back of uh, of Ricciardo, but um, he got away without any significant damage there. And uh, and it was an, another really good drive and. You know, that Alfa Romeo is clearly a lot more competitive than it was last year and, and Valtteri Bottas is making the most of it. And I think I also just wonder whether sort of the position he's in, he's almost gone back to sort of how he was at, at Williams before he joined Mercedes as being a sort of a, a plucky upper midfield runner. 
um, who's able to sort of carry the fight to the big boys every now and again and, and maybe even snatch the odd, the odd podium. And maybe he just feels more comfortable in that position than under the uh, the pressure of the uh, the cauldron at Mercedes. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it, Oliver? Because, uh, you know, he's arguably punched upwards in his time with Williams. And do you feel like he could be more comfortable doing that? Yeah, I think it's a very uh, good point, actually. Um, I think it's a question of perception, actually. No longer is he the kind of, you know, disappointing number two, slightly erratic as he was for so many years alongside Lewis at Mercedes. Um, now he is, you know, he, he has the momentum. He has that sense of kind of authority. At Alfa Romeo that he wasn't granted at Mercedes maybe in the same way and he's, he's really relishing the challenge of leading a team I think yeah and it also goes to show John that um, despite moving from Mercedes that bad luck is still with him I mean at least he managed to get the uh, the tyre change this weekend yeah, of course. Yeah, it was unfortunate what happened at the pit stop. But um, can you imagine as he was closing up to George Russell, uh, as I was saying before about the the flashbacks they must both have been having, but he must have been thinking, I'd love to get past that Mercedes. And, uh, you know, uh, after after his move to Alfa Romeo during the winter, just, you know, to finish ahead of both Russell and Hamilton would have been an amazing achievement for him. But, um, you know, give, given the form that both teams are showing, it, it could well happen again, uh, you know, in quite a few races this year. Now, Sebastian Vettel um, in the points for the first time this season. Same with Lance Stroll. A uh, double points finish for Aston Martin. I don't know how many of us saw that coming before the start of the weekend, but another eight out of 10 from you, John. He had, like, Sebastian Vettel, he looked right on form this weekend, didn't he? Do you know what? I gave him an eight out of 10. You know, compared to Australia two weeks ago, it should have been 18, I think, uh, <laughs> the way uh, the way things went so badly for Seb in Melbourne. But uh, yeah, you know, great to see him um, showing, you know, his true form really and, and good for Aston Martin as well to, to finally get their season up and running. He didn't really do anything sort of spectacular this weekend, did he? There weren't sort of lots of overtakes or anything, but he kept, kept his nose clean and, um, you know, brought home some points. And uh, I'm sure that'll give him uh, good confidence uh, going forwards now. Yeah, definitely. And um, both Vettel and Lance Stroll in the past as well, however, they've shown that they're extremely strong in the wet. And that kind of came to the fore again, didn't it, in, in Imola, especially because the rain is sort of the great equaliser in Formula One and they, they look like they made the most of it out there. Yeah, you, it's true what you say. Vettel has always been um, very good in the wet. I think it's that V style of driving that he has that really um, allows his, his speed to come to the fore in um in, in the wet conditions, I think his performance in in Imola was night and day compared to what he put in in Australia. And it's you know it's a shame that we don't see that Sebastian Vettel more often um, these days. So lastly, let's discuss Lewis Hamilton P13 finish. Uh, it's only the second time in about nine years that he's actually been a classified finisher outside of the points. John, five out of ten from you. It it just really wasn't his weekend, and Toto Wolf actually apologised on Team Radio for for the car he had to drive. But ultimately, it just looked like he got stuck where he was. Yeah, I think in terms of the rating I gave him, it's really sort of in the context of his performance compared to to George Russell. Um, he, he just he just couldn't get past Pierre Gasly at all. It was like Monaco, twenty twenty one all over again, wasn't it? He, he just saw the back of that Alpha Tauri for lap after lap and kept trying to uh, to, to sort of execute a move at the Tamburello chicane, but it but it wasn't happening. And uh, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, another very disappointing weekend for for Hamilton, uh, especially seeing his um, his teammates so far up the road as well. And um, you know, that's not not a situation that he's going to enjoy. Um, yeah, it's it's just not happening for him in terms of 
he's having he seems to be getting all the bad luck as well that's going at Mercedes. Um, th- there was another incident at the pit stop again yesterday, wasn't there? Where Esteban Ocon um, was released unsafely in front of him, almost put him into the the pit lane wall, and that and that put Hamilton sort of back a couple of places, and and it was never happening thereafter. So um, yeah, it's um, it was another bleak weekend for him, and uh, you know there's an awful lot of work to be done. Uh, at Mercedes to uh, to get him back further up the order. So following our drive ratings, Oliver, you've written your conclusions for the weekend and the, the first one being about Charles Leclerc. I mean, uh, got a four out of 10 in John's driver ratings. And again, the comments were quite slick, uh, quite split. So Naz said it's a little bit harsh for Leclerc, but the rest of them are okay. Whereas Victor Bravo said uh, four for Leclerc, way too generous. Uh, true champions cannot afford such careless mistakes. And uh, you, you've mentioned in your piece about Leclerc sort of being sort of self-inflicting pain on himself in the past. And that, that just happened again at the weekend, didn't it? Yeah, we've seen it over the years before, ever since he, you know, his breakthrough season with Ferrari in 2019, he obviously crashed out of qualifying in Baku. And then last year, um, obviously crashed out at the end in Monaco, despite setting pole position. Um, I think the stats, the stats of the season for Leclerc has, has proven once and for all that I think he, he, he does have the talent of, of the best on the grid, the likes of Verstappen and Hamilton. I think the big question mark for him now is temperament and whether he can, you know, eradicate those mistakes um, to, to string together a real sustained title challenge. I think, you know, he's, he's obviously made an incredible start to the season. He's built a very healthy lead. But I think also that brings its own pressure because now, you know, Ferrari entered the season kind of hoping hoping for a, for a title challenge and now they're almost expecting one um, given, given the start to the season that he's made. And John, given the the pressure, just not on not just on Ferrari, but the, the whole pressure of you know the country of Italy being on Leclerc, I mean that's only going to increase as uh, as the season goes on. Though, do you reckon he'll be up to it? Yeah, I mean, what a place for it to sort of go wrong for the first time this season on home soil as well. I mean. It, it was the first time that he was actually sort of finding himself in a chasing position, wasn't it, during the race? Um, you know, he, he was trying to hunt down Perez for second and um, and, and just, just over-pushed, didn't he, and took too much curb at the Variante Alta and, uh, and round he went and into the wall. So, yeah, I mean, Oliver's absolutely right. I think it is all about temperament with him and um, it's a mistake that he has to get over very quickly. Otherwise, he could find that... Um, that well, he's still 27 points clear in the standings. He could find that lead being eaten away very quickly by Verstappen. And just a quick word on Red Bull as well, Oliver. I mean, every race that Max Verstappen has finished, he's actually won. Do you reckon we're we're sort of underestimating them? Because a couple more comments off, uh, on Planet F1. Plan, uh, plucky Underdog said that was worryingly dominant from Max. Um, I really thought we might have a Red Bull versus Red Bull situation up the front between him and Perez, but that wasn't to be. Um, and then Hugo Agogo, great, great name as well, by the way. I think we're coming to a Red Bull Vettel era again for the next few years. I mean, it's. Uh, I know they're right up there, but are we almost underestimating Red Bull? Not necessarily, I don't think. I think, uh, you know, the conditions obviously played played um, very nicely in Max's favour over the weekend. We know how good he is in the wet. Some of his best uh, career performances come in the wet um, in those conditions. Um, the standout for me uh, in terms of Red Bull's performance over the weekend was that of Perez. You know, he, ob- he obviously got got in front of front of Leclerc and really frustrated him. And I don't think we can we can underestimate his role in the mistake that that uh, Leclerc made in the end because there was that, there was that amazing moment um, after the stops for slicks where Leclerc appeared to, appeared to have jumped past Perez and into second and then Perez braked on the 
on the on the damp patch of track to get passed back into the Villeneuve chicane. It was really encouraging performance uh, from Perez, and he's going to have an important role to play if Verstappen uh, is going to put together a, a title challenge of his own. And he really has looked strong at the start of the season, hasn't he, Perez, John? Yeah, what I think in particular impressed me this weekend about him was he starts in both the sprint and the race itself. And the fact that he got ahead of Leclerc um, into second place yesterday um, gave Verstappen that that buffer. Um, and and the Red Bulls were, were, were comfortably quick. Uh, quick enough to stay ahead of the Ferrari. So, um, yeah, he's certainly delivering the consistency now uh, that he didn't have last year, Perez. So, um, yeah, he's providing a really sort of strong second string to the uh, the Red Bull bow. And why it was Red Bull's first 1-2 finish uh, since 2016, which in itself feels absolutely bonkers. Uh, There was trouble on one side of the Ferrari garage through Leclerc, but unfortunately, Oliver, Carlos Sainz, he just had another weekend to forget, which, you know, you never really see inconsistency from him. But for that to happen two weekends in a row feels very un-Carlos Sainz, doesn't it? No, it does. It does feel like the walls are slowly closing in on um, Sainz in terms of, you know, his position as, as Ferrari's wingman. Um, going forward, um, he had a, obviously a terrible weekend in Australia, and you know I think you know they extended his contract coming into this weekend, and with the with the wet conditions, obviously he's always thrived in those conditions. Going back to his Toro Rosso and even Priya Fundes, I think the stage was set for kind of a, a really good performance for Sainz this weekend, but he almost didn't give himself a chance crashing out. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Felipe Massa was interviewed by Sky prior to the the sprint race on Saturday, and he said he'd been to see Carlos and, and just told him to just calm down. Um, and just let it all come. And I think there is a there is a uh, possibility of science maybe overdriving at the moment, and the pressure only increasing with his with his own mistakes. And now there's a bit of time to fester, almost, John, with a couple of weeks to think about it. That's that's not really going to help him, is it? No, and I think what concerns me as well is that um, he's still saying he's he's struggling to learn the car, and and if he keeps crashing out of races, I mean, it wasn't his fault yesterday, really. Was it Daniel Ricciardo uh, went into him and put him in, into the gravel? But um, he's been <clears throat> he's been saying for quite quite a few weeks now that he's struggling to learn the um, the F one seventy five, how to get the most out of it, and how's he going to do that? How how's he going to actually sort of master the car if he keeps, you know getting no further than a couple of laps in races and, and crashing out of qualifying. It's, um, you know, it's something that he really has to address. That's it. And Oliver, like, how long do you reckon like, Science has to actually turn this around and, and get himself back into this picture? Because at this moment in time, he's he's absolutely nowhere near, is he? Well, in, in terms of, he obviously has the contract, so his, his position in the team isn't going to come into threat. Right, yeah, just, just about yeah. this season, I mean. Yeah, it's his it's, it's, it's standing in the team. Um I think you know the time's already passed. Really, I think I think Leclerc's mistake yesterday will only encourage Ferrari to act quickly, act more quicker in terms of uh, in terms of solidifying that number one and number two role. I think Sainz can still have a, a very important role to play in terms of winning points for Sainz, but it's, it's it's a question really if if he's going to be accepting of that really. Now, moving on to Mercedes, we've already touched on uh, on Lewis Hamilton's poor weekend. And Oliver, you say that you're seeing sort of parallels between now with him and uh, George Russell and uh, 2014 with Daniel Ricciardo sort of being the upstart against Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, it crossed my mind during the race yesterday um, and we've, we've kind of touched on it already. But, you know, from where Lewis Hamilton has been over the last few years to suddenly being out of the points, it's it's really uh, distressing for him. And we've, we've, you know, we've already started to see occasional signs of tension. We obviously saw the, the uh, footage of of the heated exchange with, with Toto Wolff in the garage on, on Friday. Um, it's a really, really difficult situation. It is reminiscent of when, when Sebastian Vettel's, uh, 
you know, run of run of titles suddenly came to an end in 2014. Um, on the other hand, playing the the kind of Daniel Ricciardo role is is Russell, who you know he he do, he does know no different. He's walked into a team. He has everything to gain. Um, I think uh, he's he's done a really really solid job. And you know, 21 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton already. It's it's a good reflection of uh, his start to the season. Yeah, and John, do you reckon this is a bit of a shock to Lewis Hamilton's system? Because, you know, in the interviews that he's been giving, he's effectively ruled himself out of title contention already. I mean, this isn't a Lewis Hamilton that we've seen for probably the better part of a decade, is it? Someone who's trying to to fight to get back to the front. And um, he said the car isn't far off uh, the uh, the sort of 2009 McLaren, which was probably the worst car he's ever driven. So, you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done, but like, Hamilton does seem like he's better equipped, on a personal level at least, to, to try and try and work through this i think what what do you reckon to that i i well i, I don't think he's he's driving as a sudden i don't think he's suddenly become a bad driver put it that way that's 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 definitely not the case at all um it, it could well be that he's struggling to get well he clearly is struggling to get out of the car what george russell is so maybe there's just there's probably just something about this car that 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 doesn't quite agree with him perhaps um but um yeah i mean the, the fact that toto was apologizing to him saying the car was undrivable you could see it porpoising in in the race um it it's it's going to play on anyone's mind isn't it I, I i don't think anyone you know lewis has never um experienced anything like this in his career uh, you mentioned 2009 but was it ever ever as bad as this I'm not sure, you know, sort of battling for to even scrape into the points. It's, um, you know, it's it's such a, a a remarkable change from from where he was last year, you know, where he was in a two way title battle with Max Verstappen to to suddenly have plummeted so far down the order. It's uh, it, it must be very difficult to get to get your head around. Um, and being lapped, Oliver, as well. Do you reckon that's the, the sort of best illustration of how how far things have gone wrong for Mercedes? Yeah, it's just insults of injury, really, seeing Verstappen going past like that. Um, I do think Hamilton, you know, in in his there has been some talk that he's, you know, he's, he's tried experimental kind of setups and that's where he's been going wrong relative trust. And I think he he still does have a small uh, small pace advantage over Russell. I think, you know, he outperformed him in Australia despite uh, running a heavier car. Uh, there was talk of uh, him running a lower downforce rear wing on um on uh, Friday qualifying. Which kind of only exacerbated his his uh, problems with the tyres. Um, so, you know, there are there are circumstances there, um, but you know, you, as, as John says, he hasn't become a bad driver overnight. And I think it, the the difference with his situation in Vettel's is in 2014 is that 2014 kind of exposed some some lingering uh, holes in Vettel's game, which which he's never really eradicated. If Hamilton remains the driver. He was last season when he was winning winning races and and scoring so many pole positions. It's just now that he doesn't have the 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 car to show for it. So let's move on from Mercedes. Then one uh, one final piece of uh, sort of feel good news in a way is Lando Norris's uh, podium. I mean, considering where McLaren have come from in the last few races, Oliver, that's a, that's a remarkable result. It is. I think many people were concerned from for them um, after Bahrain, especially. You know, they 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 made such a promising start to Barcelona testing, then it all seemed to seem to go wrong for them. Um, Norris is still, you know, is is non-committal when it comes to to judging the uh, the full potential of the car. He, he obviously put put uh, the podium finish down to teamwork and McLaren's sense of togetherness to kind of eradicate their problems. Um, but it, it it was a very encouraging result actually yeah, for them. 
Yeah, but you, you also said the, the sort of more evidence of maybe Daniel Ricciardo's decline, but I don't know if I particularly agree with that one this time. It's, um, you know, he was right alongside Norris um, for for the sprint so he was nearby you know they they both started on the third row and ultimately it kind of came down to to just basically clipping the curb as to as to why he was out of the race but are you sort of like more leaning towards those small moments uh sort of deciding these little things yeah he's, he's definitely improved this season compared to last year obviously last season couldn't get any worse he was um way off last season but i, I it's He's almost become a driver who, you know, is is one to be wary of now at the start. It, it, the instant with signs, yeah, there was a. It was obviously where he, he touched the curb and he slid into signs. But it was also uh, reminiscent of of Mexico last season when he uh, outbreaked himself and um, you know smashed into the back of Bottas and spun him around at the first corner. It's it's these little um, mistakes that he's making which are a, a little more worrying now. Yeah, John, it's very un- unlike Daniel Ricciardo to outbreak himself, seeing as he's probably the best person on the brakes uh, on the entire grid, um, at least for the most of his career. I mean, what what do you reckon he has to do now to, you know, to really take the fight to Norris, I guess? Because it is starting to look increasingly like Lando's team, I guess. It is. I, I, I can see both sides of um, the argument that that you're making there. Um, you know, he, he, he has been showing pretty impressive pace, you know, as as you said, he was sort of alongside Norris on the grid, but um, but then the other side of it is is the mistakes, isn't it? So um, yeah, I mean, you you have to wonder if we have sort of seen the best of Daniel Ricciardo in Formula One, whether sort of you know he's getting towards being on borrowed time. He's thirty two now. Um, he, he made a joke the other week about the the Las Vegas race. Um, yeah. We think it was a joke. It might not necessarily have been a joke about. Well, I was going to retire, but I'll I'll yeah. have to stay around for that one. I'm still well, leaning towards joke personally. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I, I know other people uh, thought there was you know there was a little bit of uh, you know he, he was being quite serious. Well, you know, being reasonably serious as well that the retirement could actually be in his mind. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if things don't get better for him at McLaren, then then that could certainly be a possibility, even at the end of this year, you think. But um, I still think there's some life in him. He's got plenty of races to uh, to turn it around. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, Norris is the golden boy at McLaren and uh, another podium like he got uh, at Imola last year. Um, it shows that he's continuing to go the right way. Yeah, and Oliver, just just one last word on McLaren as a whole. Actually, I mean that the team spirit within them looks looks so strong in in recent years. I mean, how much do you reckon that would have helped them just try and make these small changes just to improve their car? I mean, they're still being very conservative, as uh, as you say, but I, they just look like they've got a great atmosphere there. Yeah, they're doing it's a credit to the atmosphere that um, Zach Brown and Andreas Seidel have um, created there. They frequently refer to themselves as a young as a young team. Um, I think that says it all about them. They're very uh, ambitious, um, you know, amazing uh, problem-solving abilities to get on top of the problems that they suffered in, uh, in in testing. And, yeah, it remains to be seen how far they can go this year, but uh, a podium within four races is a very good start for them. Oliver, John, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you to you for uh, for watching and listening as well. Be sure to, to head to planetf1.com so you, where you can read all of John's uh, driver ratings throughout the entire grid and the same for Oliver's conclusions as well. And uh, we've got a little bit of a break before the, uh, the Spanish Grand Prix, but we will have uh, an episode in between for you as well. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media too and just head to planetf1.com every day and we have got you more than covered on the sport. Uh, thank you very much for watching or listening to Talking Point again. I've been Henry Valentine. Speak to you next time.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.